0: All right, so I know that somebody's gonna feel me when I say this. I know I'm gonna have an amen corner when I say this. But you and I, we love what we love, don't we? For the things that we truly love, we seriously cannot get enough of it. Now, although I like to be in the gym, I like to lift weights, your boy has quite a sweet tooth. And because of that, I had to find ways to get around this, you know, through certain protein bars and all that sort of stuff. But it still doesn't hit my fix. It doesn't scratch my itch the way that things like Cheetos and Oreos do. When I tell y'all I love to snack on bad food, I really do mean it. Somebody else feels me on that. Say amen at home if you do. So y'all know what I'm talking about. Just one more slice wouldn't hurt. We're going to be all just one more slice. Or how about this one? You know, what time is it? I, I, I know that it's 1.30 in the morning right now. I know it's one thirty in the morning right now. However, I got to be to work at, I got to leave to go to work at 5.45. Got to leave to go to work at 5.45. But this, this Netflix show is... I got to see what happens on the next episode. So you know what you start doing. You start saying, all right, well, if I this episode is 56 minutes long, um, that means that I can get three hours and 18 minutes to sleep. Ah, Man, maybe I can get catch a nap. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Listen, it is so easy to feed our appetites and it is so hard to tell ourselves no. Need proof of that? just look at the antics of a child or a baby the moment you tell themselves to tell them no or take something away from them then you're going to feel their wrath and the same thing is true about you and I because we're nothing but grown children the moment that you Have to tell yourself no. Or the moment that somebody else tells you no about something, you're going to flail. Same thing with me. We flail out all over the place simply because somebody else deprived us or even ourselves deprived us of something that we actually want. So you need to look no further than the example of our own sin nature. Look no further than this reality. You and I are selfish beings by nature. We are inherently flawed and we look out for our own best interests rather than the interests of everybody else. And we have to be, we don't even have to be taught how to do this because our selfishness is innate. It's so bad that we had to put it into the constitution of this great country. Not just life, not just liberty, but the pursuit of what? Happiness. So needless to say, this mind frame can be incredibly destructive to the Christian life. It can be, especially when we're talking about being a key word here, disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the fact that we have been made, sorry, that we have made him Lord over our lives, but still struggle in removing ourselves from being Lord of our own lives says a lot about our spiritual conditions. So make No mistake about it. No person can serve two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other. So I know that word hate can throw a lot of different people off, but the word hate is just simply a comparative word here. So when we talk about our love for Jesus, we should love him so much that everything else looks like hate in comparison to how much we love him. So I know that you're thinking, man, like that word hate is pretty strong, but it has everything to do with what we're talking about today. So, saints, today I'm presenting to you the topic of self-denial. Now, for all of those of you who don't know me, my name is Fred Gallup. I'm a pastoral resident here at Element affectionately known as the Fredsident. You see what happened there, Fred resident. You saw what happened. And I'm delighted and I consider it an honor to spend our time together on here on Sunday, worshiping the Lord with you. I, can tr- I truly consider it honor to be among the saints. But for those of you who don't even believe what we do, thank God that you joined us and that you would even humor us listening to this message of the cross that's considered foolishness, that you would even humor us in listening to that. So now, again, what we're going to be doing today is uh, since we started out last week and including this Sunday and over the next two weeks, we have been and we will be dealing with one of the Lord Jesus's most difficult conversations, one of his most difficult messages. And that is his call to discipleship. We have been looking at things from a very distinctly first century Jewish uh, Christian perspective, and we have been taking those principles from their time and seeing what we can extract from that to apply to our lives. So now, throughout the, the course of today's message, we're going to be utilizing the New Living Translation of the Bible. Why this translation? Because it's always good to have a Bible that you can understand. So, Our main scripture for not only today, but for the whole of the entire series is Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It says, then calling to the crowd to join his disciples, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower or my disciple, you must give up your own way or deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So the big idea for today's message is that we have to deny ourselves. We have to deny ourselves first in order to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. So. Y'all know I say it all the time, but because context determines meaning, we're going to be exploring self-denial from a first century perspective to see the things, the great things that Christians did with their relationship, with their discipleship, with the Lord Jesus. So the Bible, it is so packed, full of context that doesn't always translate well over to our time at first glance. And we have to be careful about reading our own interpretations and experiences into the text and not letting the text speak to us. So for context sake, what does first century self-denial look like? What does first century self-denial look like? Well, the Lord Jesus, he was a traveling itinerant preacher, meaning that he spoke in places that allowed him. So he went from town to town preaching the good news or also called the gospel of the kingdom of God. And in Matthew chapter eight, he was in a special place called Capernaum doing signs, wonders and healing many different types of people. He even went into the then disciple Peter's house and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. So, of course, this clamor about everything that he was doing, including healing Peter's mother-in-law, it produced a crowd. So Jesus responded to that crowd and he responded in quite an interesting fashion, because, of course, if they saw people getting healed, they saw these signs, miracles and wonders. It is going to draw a a crowd and people are going to be interested. So let's look at what Matthew chapter eight says about this. So Matthew chapter eight, verses 18 through 22. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross over to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher or rabbi, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied you see Jesus. He, he, he's the buzzkill right here. The guy said, listen, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you wherever you go. But Jesus responds and he says this. He says, foxes. Have dens to live in and the birds have nests. But the son of man has no place to even lay his head. Another one of his disciples said, Lord, first, let me return home to bury my father. And Jesus responded kind of raw, y'all. Jesus said, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. So Jesus is saying, listen. I'm homeless. I'm homeless. you going to follow me. That means you got to forsake everything else and you got to come and you have to follow me. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that following him involves consequences. There's going to be a significant disrupting of our normal lives in order to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. He is making his disciples and potential disciples abundantly clear of the self-denial, which is the giving up of the comforts of this life. The relinquishing of living for their own pleasure and following him uh, and following him and wherever he would lead them. They would be despised and they would be rejected. They like him will have to tell themselves no and follow God's path that he set them on. There is no easy way around this, y'all. No easy way. Following Jesus will ultimately challenge your flesh. Following Jesus will ultimately challenge your flesh. So we're going to be, discuss- be discussing three different things today. So the first is why deny? You know, I'm a rapper, made it rhyme. Why deny? First one. Second one. What does self-denial look like? What does self-denial look like? Lastly, we're going to be talking about identifying with Jesus, identifying with Jesus. So my first point, we're going to be asking the question, why if it deny? Why deny? So to answer it nice and succinctly for y'all, we have to deny because we have to. Just that simple. This flesh that we carry, this dirt suit that we were all born in is literally the fallen human nature. It is a beast to overcome. So in order to live by God's ways, we have to deny this dirt suit. Look at how the Bible describes this. Look at how the Bible describes it. Proverbs chapter 27, verses 20 through 21. Proverbs 27, 20 through 21. So just as death, and that translates in Hebrew to Sheol or hell, just as hell and destruction or Abaddon are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the person is tested by being praised. My God. So do you see it? Do you see that? The human appetite for self-fulfillment is compared to hell and destruction. This literally means that our natural inclinations are bent towards things that want to destroy us. Not only are we bent towards destruction, but we also want to be praised in doing so. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You do things that are bad for you. Then you try to justify it because I do the same thing. It's the fallen human nature. You want to destroy you. You have a terminal condition that you were born with and it has a 100% mortality rate and it affects every single part of our existence to the point of the uh, being apart from the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of our desires are inherently and only evil. Even the things that we mean to do well That they come from an evil and twisted heart. The things that the good things that we want to do still come from an evil place, y'all. So listen to me as I say this, because I want to make myself abundantly clear in this. There is nothing good in and of us. There are nothing good that there is nothing good that we can produce ourselves because you and I, we are absolutely and totally depraved in every single way possible. Which means to be in a state of helplessness regarding our own sinful condition to the point where we are in desperate need of the grace of God to create in us a new heart. Or in short, depravity means the things that are good we call evil and the things that are evil we call good. So because of this natural bent towards what's ungodly, you and I, we have to continuously examine ourselves. We have to examine our hearts and our motives. We have to ask the Lord to reveal what's in us so that we can root out the things that do not belong. Many people say things along the lines of, you know, I I, I meant well Uh, when we do evil. You know, "I, I, I meant well. But the funny thing about that is that we we judge ourselves by our intentions, but yet we judge other people by their actions. (laughs) So we always find ways to say, you know what? Well, you know, God, he he knows my heart. And it is true. God does indeed know our hearts. He knows my heart. But here's what the Bible says about my heart and what God knows about it. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine. God knows your heart, right? It says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and it is desperately wicked. Who besides God really knows how bad the human heart is? Man, that's pretty rough right there. So when God knows your heart, he says, yes, I know your heart. It's desperately wicked. It is evil. It is deceitful. You deceive yourselves because your heart is so wicked. Listen, y'all, the human heart It's an idol factory that looks to replace God with anything and everything, especially the worship of self. And this is why even as Christians, you and I, we struggle with idolatry. We have an idol making factory in our hearts. We invent new ways to sin and we look to justify it. People ruled by our own selfish desires of their own heart do not have regard for God or his commands. And this is why we need to follow the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything in us was negatively impacted by the fall of humanity way back in the Garden of Eden. And we were completely, listen y'all. we were just messed up as a result of that fall. And because of that, we find it impossible to do anything spiritually beneficial or productive apart from the grace of the Lord God. Now, I know that I just dropped a lot on this. That was a whole lot right there. And that we've diagnosed our condition. Now that we've diagnosed our condition, we've got to turn our attention to what self-denial looks like. For, so for my second point, what does self-denial look like? Now, I know it, it was pretty heavy what I just told you. I just told you that basically, let me make it abundantly clear, crystal clear. I told you that you and I, we are not good enough to earn God 's favor on our own, and if you 're mad at me, you 're not mad at me, you matter what the scripture says, you matter what the Lord God says. Listen, I don't want to make it seem like the Lord is the fun police, though. this could not be any further from the truth because the Bible is replete with examples of joy eating and drinking, celebrating good times with family, all sorts of activities. But the enjoyment that the Bible talks about is in line with God's commands. That's the difference. To to make life dull and non-enjoyable is known as asceticism, which is is self-denial carried to a sinful extreme. God is not trying to steal away joy from your life. He just wants to bless you in such a way that you enjoy what he has provided rather than things that he told you to stay away from. So. What self-denial is, is saying no to the sinful desires of your flesh and saying yes to the Lord Jesus. Saying no to the sinful desires of your flesh and saying yes to the Lord Jesus. And we are to abstain from what God commanded us not to do and enjoy what the Lord has graciously provided for us. To show you something a little bit more, let's look at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. It says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures, to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness and devotion to God. Turn from godless living and live with wisdom, righteousness and devotion to God. While we look forward with the hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. So again, self-denial is basically turning away from sinful living and sinful conditions and turning to God turning away from sinful living and turning to the Lord God. Now, it's almost as though it can be synonymous with the word repentance. See how that works? And repentance is not merely a sense of regret or remorse. It, it involves that, but it's not merely a sense of regret or remorse, but it's the decision to turn away from sin and turn to God. To really cement this point, I would like to invite us to take a brief look at the first ever recorded message, the first ever recorded words from Jesus in the entirety of the Bible. So remember how last week we talked about that although the book of Mark is the second gospel in the canon of the New Testament or the books of the New Testament, it's actually the first written gospel by date. Well, check out what Jesus's first statement And the entirety of the Bible is. Mark, chapter one, verse 15, Mark, chapter one, verse 15, it says this is Jesus, his first ever recorded message. It says the time promised by God, it is come alas, last he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news or the gospel. Repent of your sins, meaning turn away from your sins and turn to God and believe the gospel. Believe my gospel. So Jesus. Knowing the hearts of man exhorts us, which means strongly encourages, draws us, pushes us to turn away from our sin and turn to God. You see how I keep saying this because I want to drive that point home. He says to turn away from our sins and turn to God for salvation. He has to first preach this message because he understands the depravity that you and I, we all carry. But he still loves us despite the fact that we sin against God. But in order for us to be made into disciples of his, we must first make adjustments. We cannot continue to live in sin and follow in our own way. We have to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, submit to the leadership of the Lord Jesus in our lives. So while salvation is a free gift, discipleship is going to cost us everything. Listen, man, like I'll be my own amen corner. Amen, Fred. That was good. So I'm going to say it one more time, just in case you missed that at home because you're watching Netflix or you're playing video games or you're making sandwiches. It says while salvation is a free gift. Discipleship will cost us everything. So because it is truth, we have been given the responsibility to surrender everything over to the Lord because we are purchased with a high price, which is the precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have transferred authority of our own lives over to the Lord. Being deceived into thinking that we are the captains of our own ship, we were actually slaves to sin. You were never captain of your own ship. Sin was. But we have a new master, namely the Lord Jesus, and he loves us, y'all, more than you can ever possibly imagine. And because we have been purchased by this precious blood, our lives and all that is in us belongs to him only. We have willfully forfeited our rights of our lives over to the Lord God who who, the one who loves us we don't reserve things from God and give him some things we give him everything so for this reason we take up the mission of God through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and this involves living in such a way that he alone is glorified in our lives We're also called to use our resources, such as our time, our energy, our finances and our voices and all that to further this mission. We are called. This rig is difficult. If It hasn't already been difficult yet. We are called to love those who hate us. We are called to be good to those who despitefully use us. So what am I saying about self-denial? Self-denial, listen, y'all, it, it, it causes us, it causes us to see people completely different than what we normally would. I saw a quote on Facebook from my bro, Martin Walker. Shout out to you, bro, for posting this because it really challenged me. And it rocked me to my core. It said, imagine, like, listen, I hope this, could, Lord, please let it convict him the way it convicted me. It said, imagine the Christians that Paul helped kill. Rejoicing as he enters heaven as their brother. Imagine Stephen staring at Paul while he is being stoned to death, yet being the first one to embrace Paul with a brotherly hug as he entered into eternal life. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the power The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how the gospel works. Being able to love people who hate you and treat you foul. Self denial, it means that you cannot respond to people as you feel justified in your flesh, but you extend the olive branch to people who hate you. Why is this the case? Simply because Jesus did it. You and I were enemies with God, yet God showed his love for us and that even while we were sinners and hostile to him, he sent Christ to die for us. As disciples of the Lord Jesus, we are called to emulate his behavior as ministers of reconciliation or ministers who help draw people near to the personal work of Jesus. That reconciliation, it means that you are willing to lay down your own life, both figuratively and even literally if need be so that others may have a godly example and be drawn into salvation why is that because your life is no longer your own you belong to God anyways so therefore if God calls you to lay down your own life then we must willfully do it none of this is possible without self-denial so from a first century Jewish Christian perspective these realities that they face Oppression, (laughs) occupation from a heathen empire and rejection from their family and friends for following the Lord. They thought they rejected so much external and internal pressures simply because they followed the Lord Jesus. Keep in mind that Hebrew people were literally being killed by Romans. And yet these same Hebrew followers of Jesus were being vilified by, by their own families. They found no home. And that's why Jesus said that this world is not our homes. We belong to him. We are looking forward to that place, that city that's not built by human hands. And that is not new Jerusalem in heaven with our Lord Jesus. Even though they were vilified, they were still called to be loving for the sake of being used as tools for the glory of God and the salvation of people. Who hated them, despite the fact that people hated them, God said, You are my instruments of love and mercy. This mind frame can only be can only be brought or accepted through the process of self-denial. So now forgiveness. Let's not even talk about forgiveness, y'all. All right, but we're going to anyways. Since Jesus himself, he said that forgiveness is essential for Christian living. This is sobering right here. Jesus said that if you don't forgive others, then your heavenly father, he won't forgive you. So what does this mean? It means don't be eternally lost from God because of what somebody else did to you. I know that's heavy. I know that some of you say, how can I listen? It's not a matter of how can you do it. It's the power of God working through you, through your self-denial. Don't be lost forever because of what somebody else did. So I'm going to ask you this, Christian. Are you willing to love people who hate you? Are you willing to do this and walk out the gospel? Again, I know I dropped a lot on y'all and it hit me just as heavy as it hit y'all because this is a lot to process. You may have to watch this a couple times. That These are things that I've struggled with, even as a preacher who's been walking with the Lord since about 2000, May of 2008 to be exact. I still struggle with this, but the good news is that you and I, we are overcomers by the grace of the Lord God. There is nothing put in our path that we cannot overcome with the grace of the Lord Jesus, y'all. So the good thing about all of this is that Christ gave us the ultimate example of self-denial. So he, he himself, he understands the tall order that he placed on us in his call for us to be disciples. Christ is the example for us to follow. By denying ourselves, we can identify with the Lord Jesus, which leads me to my third and last point, identifying with the Lord Jesus. So let's put some things in the context before I read this scripture. Jesus, the Christ, he is God. He is fully God and fully man, the God man. And he put on flesh and bones when he came and gave himself as an example for us. You have very few people that would condescend, meaning come down to another person's level to surrender their lives, their own rights and privileges over for the sake of another person in order to die for them. Very few people would do that. But Jesus did all of that and more. And to illustrate this, let's look at a familiar passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter two, verses five through 11. It says, you, may, you must have this same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Instead, what did he do? He gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave or a servant and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he again humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, as a result of all that, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him a name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I need for us to get a very good understanding of the gravity of what happened here. Jesus, alongside the Father and the Holy Spirit, as one God, was literally worshipped in eternity. He had the absolute most majestic creatures ever created, worshipping him, falling before him, covering their faces, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, the Bible says that Jesus created all things, heaven and earth. That's why Jesus was not bound by time. And he appeared in the Old Testament in what's called a theophany, which is a divine vision in human form. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. This same Jesus, when he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, they said, hey, are you Jesus? He said, I am. And when he said that legions of soldiers, they flung back because just for a glimpse in time, just for a quick moment, Jesus sort of peeled back the surface and said, I am God. And the people could not handle that because of the power in that statement and him revealing himself. This is the same Jesus that would divide time from B.C. before Christ into A.D., This is the same Jesus after being beaten to the point of multiple concussions, starved, kept awake, whipped in unimaginable fashion, tortured, humiliated, and so many other horrors, was still able to take that massive cross and carry it on his shoulder and plant it up on Golgotha's hill and still be alive long enough to take the wrath of God that you and I so justly deserve. He took it upon himself and instead of him just like keeping it for himself or instead of him letting us go through it, he died with that in what's called the great exchange. He gave you his righteousness and instead took your unrighteousness this is the same Jesus that beat death this Jesus is the one who humbled himself and set the godly example of what we should emulate y'all So because we have such a great high priest, such a great example of what self-denial looks like, you and I, we have no excuse in the little pieces of Jesus took the whole meal. and He just left us with the crumbs. He says, deny yourself. He took on the form of a servant and did not demand his natural rights. So if that's the case, you and I, Christian, as followers of the Lord Jesus, we have been beckoned to self-denial to be more concerned with our own rights. I'm sorry, be more concerned with, our, with others' rights than our own rights. See, here's the problem. Don't let your Christianity be conflated with Americanity. Now, I know I done made some of y'all mad by saying that, but I don't apologize. I'm telling you the truth of Scripture. Your Americanity should not be conflated with Christianity. And what do I mean when I say that is that oftentimes in America, you and I, we like to possess and hold onto our own rights and privileges. Don't let anybody else take them away from us. And while that in, I hear what you're saying. Jesus surrendered his so that he could love other people. So are you following Jesus's Christianity or are you following American Christianity? Do not let those two things be confused. Do not let your American flesh or whatever you watch it from around the world. Do not let that get in the way of what God has in store for you. He told you to seek his kingdom first, not your own rights. Don't let belonging to the greatest nation on the planet starve you from the spiritual maturity that God has for you. And do not let this pride get in the way of your self-denial. Listen, y'all. There's a famous hymn that Jared is going to sing for us. It's called I Surrender All, but it's only through self-denial. Only through self-denial can we even begin to sing this song, Jared. All to Jesus I All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Now listen, if what you've heard today has pierced your heart, if you've heard the, the word of God, if you've never believed this gospel, that Jesus Christ, He died for you, He took on your sins. Then I invite you to come to the Lord Jesus. This is the best decision that you will ever make because your sins have been paid in full. You sinned. I sinned. We fail. We deserve judgment. But Jesus Christ took our judgment instead. That beautiful, great exchange. He took our judgment instead. And instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to leave you out there. He instead instead said, I'm going to die and I'm going to take this for you simply because I love you. Now, how do we make this apply to us? Romans chapter 10 says it very clearly. It says if we would just believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be saved. It's literally that simple. So that's you. Or if you need prayer for any other things, just join me in prayer. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the things that we've seen and what we've heard today. Lord, we bless you and we give you honor. Lord, if we've made you Lord of our life for the first time, God, we know that the angels in heaven, they celebrate right now. Lord, we thank you for that, Father. And God, help us to walk out this Christian life in a way that glorifies you. Lord, for those of us who are already in the faith, even for those who are coming into the faith, Lord, we just pray that you give us the grace to deny ourselves. We pray that this word today convicts us and that it stays with us and that we realize that you alone are worthy of all glory, honor and praise. So, God, we worship you with everything. And We say thank you, Lord. And it's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go in peace and be blessed. God bless you and I love you.